glory, America. Bonjour, hi, Canada. That music means it's the last radio hour of a very long week and the beginning of a very long month. I'm Hugh Hewitt. That music means it's the Hillsdale Dialogue. Once a week, I go very, very high with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, or one of his colleagues. All things Hillsdale are collected at hillsdale.edu. They are living through the pandemic, as everyone is. Last week, I had two hours of Hillsdale Dialogue so that we could get Dr. Arn talking about Churchill and Lincoln in wartime. And we're back to our Great Leaders series. Good morning, Dr. Arn. How are you? How's the family? How is the college holding up? Uh, well, everybody's great. It's just lonely here. We don't have the students back, and we're watching anxiously for the day we can bring them back. And they're, as far as we can tell, behaving well, and the classes are going well. We're having an online college now. And uh, we need them back here, though, because there haven't been nearly as many messes on campus as is normal at this time of year. Are there tumbleweeds in the streets of Hillsdale? Yeah, it's like that. It uh, it hasn't, you know, this is one of those years, like uh, the weather in Hillsdale is, you know, legendary, and it, it actually is way overblown. If it gets good in April uh, or even in the second half of March, then we have a great spring, and we need that because otherwise we... Has that ever hours. happened? What? Has that ever happened? Mostly, yeah. Well, certainly by April. <laughs> Tomorrow it's going to be 55 degrees and clear. But, you know, today it's 38 or something. You know, I have never been actually invited to Hillsdale's campus when it was above freezing. It's just an, one of those things you guys bring me in in the polar vortex. Well, we try to do for people what's good for their character. <laughs> all right. Uh, Hillsdale.edu for all things Hillsdale, including this amazing course, Hillsdale.edu slash U.S. History. You and I are going to talk about Moses today. And I want to explain to people, Moses is almost prehistory, but not quite. When I did my research on Moses, and we're doing a great leader series, uh, rabbinical Judaism calculated his life at beginning in 1391 and extending to 1271 B.C. Uh, St. Jerome says 1592 B.C. We're not really sure. He's kind of on the fringe of prehistory. What do you make of that? Uh, well, uh, he... He, uh, it's 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 a little worse than you say. Even there aren't really sources in Egypt about the about the Exodus, um, and you know there's a lot of you, you know everything that ancient is very sketchy, sketchy everywhere. But there's no mention of Moses there, and uh, so that raises a historical problem. Uh, and you know then the other thing is Moses is supposed to be is it's supposed to be the author of the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, uh, and th those uh, tell the story of the creation of the earth and the exodus of, of the of the Jews from Egypt. First, they're going down there through Joseph, and then three books of laws. And uh, now they say didn't happen. But I have some amusing and interesting things to read by Churchill about that because. He doesn't like all that. He doesn't like that line of thought. Um, now I want I, I want to begin by telling everyone, here's one reason we study Moses. If you go to the United States Supreme Court, on the north side and on the south side, you're going to see freezes. And on the, uh, I think it's the north wall, uh, maybe it's the south, I can't. You find, and I'll, I'm going to butcher some of the pronunciation, Menes, Hammurabi, Moses, Solomon, Solon, Draco, Confucius, Octavian on the north wall. You're going to see Justinian, Muhammad, Charlemagne, King John, 
Louis the Ninth, Hugo Grotius, Blackstone, Marshall, and Napoleon. What's that tell us about Moses? Yeah, that uh, you know the lawgiver. I I, I will tell you, uh, uh, there's a great thing to do if you ever go to to Rome. Uh, you can go to a place where Michelangelo's statue of Moses is. Oh, it's a and Saint Peter in chains. It, it just you know it's a stern. It's a grayer marble. He's sitting. He's got his hands a little bit like the posture of Abraham Lincoln uh, in the in the Lincoln Memorial, uh, but but sterner and more erect. And uh, and then you can walk. You know what is it? A mile, and get to St. Peter's Basilica, and then look at the you know very great carving of the Pieta of the broken destroyed Jesus on the lap of his mother, and the contrast between the gentleness and mercy of the one and of the, of the, uh, what, of, uh, what, uh, Moses is like a foundation, he's a founder, and, uh, and whatever gets founded has to be fixed, and, uh, Jesus alters that with kindness. I've always thought that those two, you know, Michelangelo was pretty good, as they say, <laughs> and uh, I think they make a contrast that's uh, important. And, you know, the interesting thing, the third in that trail would be David uh, to the north in Florence. And I think those are the three greatest uh, sculptures I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, they're I my just... favorite. And, they, and they're, you know, they're, uh, I have an argument with my useless son-in-law that he likes another sculpting of David better, but that's because what? he's ignorant. Uh, <laughs> All right, so why do we study Moses? Why is he on the Supreme Court? Well, um, it, it's, uh, it, is, it establishes, uh, well, it's, so there are two reasons. One is the, the story of the chosen people, which is the story of the Bible, uh, leading to, in the Christian point of view, the Messiah, is one of the formative stories of history, and, you know, one of the greatest stories ever told, as they like to say. Uh, and that, the fact that they did all that, that they want, that they, they went into bondage, that they were brought out, that there were miracles, and that they were equipped then and hardened uh, to be a representative of God's providence. And uh, you don't have to be a Christian to see that this story is presented in the in the Old Testament, or what we call the Old Testament, it's presented as a blessing to all peoples that these people are chosen in this way. And uh, I can't do better than Churchill. I'll, I'll read you why he thinks the story is the most significant thing, if I can find the darn thing. He, Joseph, Churchill wrote an essay that's really good called uh, Moses, Leader of a People. Huh, didn't know and, that. Oh yeah, and he, you know, he wrote about everything, and uh, this particular thing—it's—it's it's one of his most interesting essays, and it was like like some of his essays. Uh, it was ghostwritten. Uh, he got a he got a young kid who just got his, uh, as, as Churchill writes, a good second, that's the second best degree you can get in Oxford. <laughs> uh, he got him to write it up and and put in. He says all of the. Um, of the latest scholarship, and Churchill reproduces that, and uh, and then he writes. Uh, well, I'll get to the scholarship in a second. 
he he first he says of you know Moses you know is put in the put in the river in bulrushes because Pharaoh's killing all the Jewish babies all the boys and his wife saves him his mother saves him sorry and, and uh, puts him near Pharaoh's court hoping that one of Pharaoh's daughters will adopt him which is what happened and then he's however not a Egyptian by inclination, and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he kills the Egyptian, and then he has to run for his life, and he runs across the Sinai Desert, very difficult place. Uh, Churchill calls that the uh, the minimum place, the place where it's the harshest environment where human beings can live. There's not harsher envi- there are harsher environments with no people in those. Huh. And then he's called back. He sees the burning bush, and he's called back. And the burning bush is God talking to him directly. And, uh, and then he saddles up, and he's going to go. And this is Churchill's description of that. The donkey is saddled. Zipporah, that's Moses' wife, the two children and the family property are placed upon its back. And through the dust clouds and the blazing sunlight, the, sm- the smallest, most potent, and most glorious of all the rescue forces of history starts upon its expedition. Huh. Huh. <laughs> it's, uh, he may have had a ghostwriter, but I'll bet you he improved that sentence. Oh yeah, and he and you know you can tell this is a one of the reasons this thing is charming is that uh, uh, you can tell where he differs from the you know he 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 repeats what the ghostwriter what this young scholar wrote for him, and then he here I'll read it to you. Wait, wait until after the break. We'll okay. come right back with Dr. Larry Arn. The Hillsdale Dialogue is underway in a time of pandemic, in a time of play, of worry and fear. We are focusing on leaders. One of the great leaders of history, Moses. Arguably the greatest leader of history, other than Christ, if you were a Christian, is Moses. Some people would say David. But we'll continue the conversation with Dr. Arn when we return to The Hugh Hewitt Show. Portions of the Hugh Hewitt Show are brought to you in part by Job Creators Network. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. The Hillsdale Dialogue is underway. All of the dialogues are collected at HughForHillsdale.com. And you've got a lot of time on your hands this April 2020 in an era of pandemic. You ought to go and listen to those or go to Hillsdale.edu for their amazing online courses, especially if you're in high school, Hillsdale.edu slash U.S. History. Dr. Larry Arn is my uh, uh, interlocutor today. He's the president of Hillsdale College, has been for a long time, a good friend, we're talking for the first time in all these years about Moses, which strikes me as that we oversight on our part because he is so crucial. And we went to break, and you were about to read something from Churchill's essay about Moses. Uh, Churchill has just, uh, in this essay, uh, just re- repeated scientific explanation, you know, volcanoes and earthquakes and all kinds of things explain the parting of the sea and the pillar of fire and smoke and all that that led the Jews first to Mount Sinai, and then a circuitous 40-year route through the Sinai up to the, to the Holy Land prepared for the chosen people. Uh, but after he's repeated all these, he says, all these purely rationalistic and scientific explanations 
only prove the truth of the Bible's story. It is silly to waste time arguing whether Jehovah broke his own natural laws to save his chosen people, or whether he merely made them work in a favorable manner. By the way, those two things amount to the same thing, Mm -hmm. both a providential intervention. At any rate, there is no doubt about one miracle. This wandering tribe, in many respects indistinguishable from numberless nomadic communities, grasped and proclaimed an idea which all the genius of Greece and all the power of Rome were incapable. There was to be only one God, a universal God, a God of nations, a just God, a God who would punish in another world a wicked man dying rich and prosperous. Uh, so you see, that, that that's the point. I think Churchill isolates that particularly. You could just hear him arguing with the person who wrote the draft. Uh, the point is that Abraham receives the covenant, and the whole story starts with that, and that's about 400 years before Moses. Uh, and and uh, he he uh, what he does is he takes a small band of people and he lives among another people. And then that small band, now larger, migrates to Egypt and gets larger yet, and then they come back as a people, and they are formed into an army, and they take a land that, you know, uh, Churchill excuses that by saying they just got so tough in the desert they got out of hand and wasn't what God told them to do. Uh, But it made them a force. You know, you you uh, if you know modern Israel, it actually is. It's a it's a remarkable thing the 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 growth of Zionism that led to the creation of modern Israel. That is a growth, uh, a, a rebirth of the idea. It happened in the 19th century, late, uh, that we were made to have a place where we represented God to the world, and we are the chosen people. And that's too bad because. We're not up to it, and we have to go through incredible sufferings, but we're doing that not just for ourselves, but for everybody. Can we and, marvel for a moment about Israel? Yeah. Uh, I, I tell people the most inexplicable thing in human history is Israel, uh, that it would be reformed as a state. And, uh, and Walker Percy used to say, I'll stop believing in God when someone explains the Jews to me. <laughs> I've only been there twice. I know you've been there more frequently than that, but, but a minute, Doctor. It's just inexplicable, but yeah. for... God. There's a, yeah, it, uh, you know, and it's, uh, so how will you put it? First of all, there's a place in the, on the west side of Jerusalem where you can walk through a gate and you walk into the ancient world. You're inside the old city. The, the southeast corner of, that, of the walls around that city uh, date from Solomon. And you're, you're in this world. Now, what's inside this world is four quarters, Muslims, Jews, and two sets of Christians. Uh, and, and, it's, and it is the place where Jesus was arrested and tried and executed. And it is the place where the, holy, the high holy temple, the first and the second, the first built by, the, by Solomon and the second by Herod, the, that's the place. That's the place. We're going to come back. That place would not be there but for Moses. We continue the conversation after the break with Dr. Larry R. and all things Hillsdale during the break at hillsdale.edu. Portions of the Hugh Hewitt Show are brought to you in part by No Safe Spaces. 
Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt, the Hillsdale Dialogue, underway with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. In this time of pandemic, grief, sorrow, and challenge, we are looking at great leaders. And Moses is the first one that we are doing after we did Lincoln and Churchill to inform our modern sensibility. We're reaching way back into almost prehistory. And Dr. Arn, I am frequently wrong, but never in doubt on the air as my calling requires. I believe it is the case, but tell me if I'm wrong. There is no historical evidence for Moses in archaeology, only our written scriptures, which are themselves great evidentiary texts, but they are not the archaeological texts that say Augustus Caesar left all around him. That's right. And there's, you know, archaeological evidence about Jesus, about the, well, about Pilate, for sure. Uh, and uh, you know what I think about that is uh, this is very old, right? This is uh, what it's it's about three thousand years ago, and and uh, everything, all the records we have of everything are scanty. But the significant thing about this is, you know, what Churchill said, what I believe, and that is, first of all, it is such an, a remarkable story. How how would God? Having created, you know, it, it sort of solves a dramatic problem in a way. How would God, having created the earth and everything in it, how would he intervene to have an influence on things, to set them right? And the Jewish story is that's how he did it. He picked us, and he beat the devil out of us for a long time, and we deserved it, and we became his people, carrying his word. And we had a polity to carry that word. And then the Christian view is that Jesus is descended, descended from the founders of Israel, uh, directly from David. And, um, and, and he, he took this message that they had, which is, and remember how remarkable it is, in this time, the idea that there's one God, just one, and there aren't even any subordinate gods. That's a that's a s- simply unique idea. Well, point. I have been talking this week with Tom Holland, author of Dominion, an Oxford Don and BBC presenter, about how Christianity has shaped the modern world. But of course, there would be no Christianity but for Judaism, and it is quite profound. It's everywhere. Moses is everywhere because Jesus is everywhere, and you don't get uh, the the redemption story without Moses and David. And Abraham, as you pointed out, the question is, what is Moses' particular lesson for people right now? And and I say that with the president having three days ago referenced the Civil War and 600,000 dead, a period of great suffering. He is telling he wants people to be hopeful. He is trying to be, I use his term, cheerleader. But to brace yourself, what does Moses tell him and us about now? Well, you know, you... Uh, you can't read history, and you can't read this particular history, the inspired history. Uh, you can't read it without seeing that there's a lot of trouble in the world, and you can't see it that the trouble of read it without seeing that the trouble afflicts us individually and as a people. And how does a great people act under suffering? They get better. You know, I like to say that in 1940, Great Britain, modern little local, frumpy Great Britain, turned into Sparta. They just, uh, you know, they just were fierce. That's well said. And they, and you know, Churchill 
was getting ready to invite them to, if the Germans came ashore, to take one with you. And uh, that's, you know, and Churchill hated that kind of thing, tried to avoid war all his life. But a spirit comes over them, right? And we, you know, I believe that we are the best equipped people on earth to deal with this. And only the secondary reason is that we're very scientific and have an excellent medical system. Uh, the real reason is we are used to competing with and cooperating with each other in alternation, and we are good at each taking his part. You know, Dr. Arn, on Meet the Press this past Sunday, I used a track metaphor for what I see happening, which is America's got a hell of a kick. And I cited Eric Liddell from Chariots of Fire, the true story of the 1924 Olympics, and how Liddell would run with this amazing kick. I think freedom generally in the United States specifically has a hell of a kick and that it's kicked in. Oh, I yeah. see it happening. Yeah. And we can get back to work, you know, and, and you know, there are things going on behind the scenes of this deal. It's, it is, uh, you know, it's, uh, what the first thing, when I think about this virus thing is, uh, the first thing I think is it's stupid. Why is it stupid, you know? Uh, n nobody's really sick around here. Well, some people are now, but not very many. And it can spread very fast, I know that. But the truth is, I've got this beautiful college here, and it's not full of students right now, which it should be. And so you hate that, right? On the other hand, do you know what appeals to those students? I mean, it's unbelievable. It's just inspiring to me. Um, I went in to see about 50 of them who are still here. Most of them have gone home now. And uh, and I said, you know, what should I do? It's spring break. I said, what should I do? Bring the kids back? And you know, there were. I, I asked for a show of hands. There were forty-seven who said, yeah, bring them back right now. And I said, if I bring them back, you might be carrying bedpans and then having them cared for you. We might not be having college. We might be just be dealing with sick people. And they said, yeah, that's what we do. This is a college. We've got to do that, right? And I, I don't get, you know, everything I get is from them is, let's get back. What are we doing here, right? And, and I told them, uh, I did this little video, and uh, it's gone all over the place. And, uh, and I just said, look, this is a test, character and intellect. It's a shame somebody talented and young to waste a single day. We have to learn as well by this means as we do all the time. You know, Dr. Arn, you told me about the previous, this was some time ago, years ago, you told me about the previous time that Hillsdale emptied, completely mm. emptied of its students. And it was when Lincoln called for troops. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and we, you know, we, you know, the college is pretty strong, and so it'll take us, you know, another fortnight to go broke. But um, <laughs> uh, back then it was, you know, they wondered about whether they could have college ever again. And uh, and we don't wonder about that. And the reason is that spirit. I got yesterday, uh, you know, there's this phenomenon. I had never heard of it before, but uh, you can make a virtual choir. Uh, and our, uh, our music fraternity, it's actually a bunch of women, but it's called a fraternity. And I am an honorary member, and which is really odd. And uh, They've they not heard you like sing. That. Yeah, they can sing like angels. And they sent me... A a, a a a choir performance of a old 
religious poem sung as a psalm. And it's just awesome, right? And they, and they, they sent me that, and I'm putting it all over the world because it's really great. And, of course, one of the points, that they love the college, they want to make that point, and they even say they love me. Well, absence makes the heart go fronder. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, great. Um, I will watch, would you send that to me? I'll post it. Now, I want to go back to Moses for a moment because uh, the coming weeks, again, the story of Moses will be told and celebrated around every Passover Seder, uh, even socially distant Seder or virtual Seders, they will tell the story of the Exodus. It's been told through history again and again and again, and it will never not be told. I, I, I think the Jewish people are indestructible. It will never not be told. Why is that so appealing to so many other cultures in addition to Jewish culture? Well, that's the message, right? That's why Churchill's reaction it's really it's a, that's one of the why it's everything he did is really interesting but this is an extremely interesting thing because you know he wrote his own stuff right except for popular historical you know he great stories retold he wrote it he did a lot of things like that and he got somebody to write them for him and then he rewrote it and you can see his hand in it right and his point is about this scientific explanation and no uh, archaeological hogwash. Look at this story. It ha- it is a natu- it is a expression of the interplay of the divine and the natural, and it is it is supreme, right? Only the story of Jesus matches it, and 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 this prepares the story of Jesus because Jesus needed a people who had the idea of one God to start in. And think about the particular situation of Jesus. The Romans, one of their arts, one of their high arts that made them as great as they were, is they were easy to live with because they didn't destroy your gods. They just added them to the pantheon, the, the right. you know, pan, pandemic, that's everything, right? And theos, God. So all the gods are in there, right? Well, the Jews wouldn't join up. And they were the ones who wouldn't join up. And so they were stubborn. You know, God calls them a stiff-necked people. And they were stiff-necked not only to God, they were stiff-necked to the Romans. To the point of the destruction of their temple, yes. That's right. And they had this idea that there's one God and he's sending somebody. And the story could not have taken off without that preparation. And, and, you know, soon enough, 300 years... It uh, conquers the Roman Empire, but that was a huge reversal, and it had to start somewhere. Now, in terms of what we take away from Moses, we'll use the last segment of that. I I wonder what your first takeaway is, and we'll come back to the additional ones about leadership today and the example of Moses. Well, Moses is like Abraham. Moses is faithful. Uh, Repeated stories all through the, the uh, wandering in the wilderness, where they lose heart, and he's the one who encourages them and keeps them going. It's kind of mysterious in the Bible. Something happened at a place called Meribah about water, and when you read the story as it's told, uh, you don't see that Moses did anything wrong. But in the afterlight, apparently he did, because that's why he's not allowed to go into uh, the promised land. He just gets to get up on a hill and look over into it, because he made some mistake there. Well, in a way, that mistake is kind of essential, 
Because there's no claim that Moses is divine. Correct. Moses is divinely appointed. That's different from Jesus. Hang on to that. We'll be right back. More of the Hillsdale Dialogue right after this. Welcome back, America. The Hillsdale Dialogue on the Hugh Hewitt Show with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. Moses was not perfect. Uh, he was a human leader, divinely guided, divinely inspired, but not perfect. In fact, he was given to anger. He killed a man. He was given to fear. He didn't want to go. He was given to not following orders. Uh, Dr. Arn, he just is imperfect as every human leader is. And yet... The best of the bunch, right? He, uh, he, he is the one. If, if somebody keeps faith, he's the one, and he almost always does. And think of the, you know, to take a whole lot of people out into a place where it's hard for 10 to find a living and wander around for 40 years and, and uh, you know, and people dying. I mean, they, all of the ones uh, who left uh, Egypt had to die off before they could be allowed to go, they had to get the slavery beat out of them. And, and he's the one who steered them through that. And it's a really remarkable thing. I mean, and what a, you know, isn't it, I, I don't know, if you read the Bible every day, the way I read it is, you know, I, there's a lectionary, and it and it's, you know, comes from the Anglican Church, and you, it takes you through the Bible over a two-year period. I just delight. When you get to the to the part of the Old Testament, which you do a couple times a year, actually, where you know you start with Genesis, and you know here's what's going to happen, right? You're going to meet Abraham, and you're going to you know you're going to have the fall, and then you're going to meet Abraham, and then they're then then Joseph, and they're going to his brothers are going to kill him, and they're going to sell him down to Egypt, and he's going to go to prison, and then they're going to become a great people down. It's, you know, it's all just. Uh, what a story, you know, and it is, you know, it is a perfect story, a beautiful story. And it has survived because it is the epitome of God's providence. Now, he is a harsh judge. Uh, there, are, there are stories within the story of Moses where people do wrong, and Moses uh, summons down the wrath of God, which is pretty doggone difficult uh it's it's severe he is a severe ruler there's also times he's merciful so i guess it is a balance that is not easily deciphered and requires study moses is so abraham you know there's the story of abraham moses ancestor uh uh pleading for sodom and gomorrah right and but but moses does something abraham doesn't do right moses is you have to remember the difference between Moses and Jesus, something that Moses has in common with Muhammad. Uh, Moses is a lawgiver, a ruler, and a military commander. And he sets up a polity, sets up a regime, a way of living for a people. Now, he's everybody's, he's, he's a representative of everybody's God. That's an emphatic claim from early in the Bible, from the beginning of Genesis, but also especially in the Abraham story. This will be a blessing to all the peoples on the face of the earth, this covenant with Abraham. Uh, and on, other, on the other hand, he sets up the laws under which this people 
who are appointed to carry a message will live, and they will live as a people, and they will have their orthodoxies, their ways of behaving that mark them out and keep them together. And Moses establishes all of that, and it's the reason that the Jewish people have been able to persist all this time. Now, do you teach Moses at Hillsdale? Oh, sure. And I, I should thank, thank you. Don Westblade, who's a senior professor at Hillsdale College and a brilliant man, wrote notes for me for all of this and was going to be on this call, but he couldn't. And he's delightful. And uh, so I don't, if I, if I need help, I don't get some recent graduate. I get one of the most learned people there is to help me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Don, Don teaches Moses and, you know, our, everybody has to take a course in theology. And that means everybody here reads about Moses, about his significance, about his story, and about the whole story of God, the one God. See, and just remember... The, uh, we Christians, the God we worship is the first God to claim to be the God for all. Okay. Now, I've got, I've got a minute and a half. I'm going to ask you a really easy question. Why anti-Semitism? I, I just finished watching Peaky Blinders. It has Oswald Mosley as a character. He's vile, as he was. Why? Where, where does it come from? You literally have one minute, Dr. Arndt. Yeah, well, that's not too hard. The point is, they are a people who hangs on. They're scattered, but they hang on, and that makes them different. And uh, the particular Jewish slanders, right, they, those stem from their necessary situation. They were not allowed to own land. They couldn't have a place, right, wherever they were. And so they go into finance, right, and then they're thought to be Shylocks and greedy, but the truth is, uh, their return to Israel shows the real capacity of them, right? They're soldiers and farmers again, and they're good at it. And uh, so, of course, the scattered people holding to their own creed. I mean, Hitler's particular hatred of them was that they were separate from the folk. And the folk, right? And they, we have, and they to, we have to come back to this. We really do. Because it's it's, I'm sure Churchill has written about it. We need to know about it. But this concludes this week's Hillsdale Dialogue with Dr. Larry Arn. It's at HughForHillsdale.com. It is at everything Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. Go there during the pandemic. Get encouragement. Come back next week for the Hugh Hewitt Show.